into and through the pandemic, and you saw the explosion of everything related to crypto, blockchain, Web3, you know, whatever you want to name it, um, we saw a lot of opportunity, but also we saw a lot of potential risks. And, and as managers of the business, it's our, it's our job to actually be able to optimize revenue, but also to mitigate risk. So strategically, we decided that we wanted to have a multi-pronged strategy and to be able to, to explore different areas across the Web3 space. This is the Sports Tech All-Stars podcast, showcasing outstanding startups and initiatives in the global sports tech ecosystem. From Sports Tech X, the leading source for data and insights about sports tech. Here is your host, Ron Malhotra. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Sports Tech All-Stars podcast. Your host, Roan, again, and we're continuing the theme of our Web3 in sports-related content. We've done a whole month of it. We took a little break, but we just keep finding more and more people that we want to talk to because it is such a vast subject and there's so much that you could keep keep going on about. And one thing I realized I hadn't done is we had spoken to investors, we had spoken to uh, startups, we had spoken to different players in the ecosystem. But one thing that we hadn't spoken to was an actual rights holder. So look who I found. I managed uh, to meet somebody from the Euro League at a conference recently. And as a result of that, I have got strategic commercial advisor to the Euro League. Ryder Baez on our podcast today. Welcome to the show, Ryder. Thank you, Ron. Uh, pleasure to be here. Uh, thank you for uh, uh, giving us a voice and making us part of your platform or movement. Appreciate it. And I was just telling Ryder my Spanish is no longer as good as it used to be, so I hope my pronunciations are not so bad uh, with your name. But we will leave that aside first before we jump into all the information about EuroLeague and everything that it's doing on around Web3, which I believe is quite a lot. Um, but first, I want to know about you, uh, the person, where have you come from, and how did you get into this uh, super interesting position at the EuroLeague? Well, uh, actually, you know, the story is, is quite funny. I mean, I'm, uh, uh, I'm a passionate basketball lover, try to play the game. Uh, so for me, this is uh, kind of a dream making. But I have uh, a story with the Euroleague, which is uh, comprised of two blocks, let's say, in my timeline. I'm originally from the Dominican Republic, so that means that baseball and and certain sports are uh, of uh, let's say more relevance there. Uh, I relocated to Europe, uh, to Spain, uh, almost. 20 years ago and been working in the finance industry and now also uh, in the sports industry. And the bulk of my career has been at the EuroLeague. So my first stint at the EuroLeague uh, was uh, as, uh, as a part of the partnerships uh, department and also was heading briefly uh, what we created as the, the digital uh, department, which was a, a focus on the commercialization through digital uh, platform and the creation of digital product and so on. Uh, so we went, you know, uh, from uh, traditional sponsorships also to to OTT in the app and the way in which we want to interact with our fans and our uh, brand partners as well. 
Excellent. Okay. So as you said, you're looking to find new opportunities uh, for Yoroli to connect with its brands, connect with its partners. And one such area of special interest is obviously Web3. Um, I first came across EuroLeague's initiatives or something. EuroLeague was doing this in last year's Final Four. I know you had a partnership with YBVR where the Final Four tournament was, yeah, you could watch it in a virtual environment. Call it a metaverse, call it whatever you want. So I, that was the first one I had heard of, Ryder. Was that actually the first initiative at EuroLeague in Web3? Or maybe you could go through some of them that you're already doing because I know that there are quite a few. Yeah, actually, the it, it, it actually goes to the root of the innovation programs at the EuroLeague. Uh, the relationship with YBBR is, is uh, one of the, I would say, the oldest. Uh, if you remember... The EuroLeague launched a few years ago uh, the Fan uh, XP Innovation Challenge, and, and through that platform, uh, we were able to to have a look at different uh, solutions and companies and startups uh, from around the world uh, that had different uh, different products that could be applied to to the business and and, and the company. Uh, one of those was YBBR, and and if you fast forward to to recent times with the explosion of, of blockchain technology and and the whole Web three, uh, let's say movement, uh, we saw a perfect fit in actually being able to uh, supercharge what would be uh, that virtualization of experiences uh, with with a trusted partner like YBBR. Um, for us, the goal is to actually be able to to provide as many uh, reliable engagement opportunities to our fans, and and that definitely takes us in a in a discovery journey of different solutions. That is super interesting. I didn't know that the connection with IBVR came from the Euroleague Innovation Challenge, which uh, you guys have been running for many years. We have actually featured it in our content a few times. So that's a great, um, let's say, coming of age or maturity coming of a initiative that you have already invested resources in and then you've seen it actually come to you know a main stage which final four is your biggest property you know yeah absolutely absolutely and for us actually the 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 the, the goal of actually doing that xp challenge is, is precisely that i mean now we are calling it metaverse and different things but you know for us back then it was you know virtual reality and, and having been been able to have an immersive experience and, and now we are labeling things uh, somewhat differently, but but yeah, for us, it's, it's a matter of being able to keep the pulse to innovation, and actually being able to to actually be able to service not only the league as a, as a as a platform as a company, but also servicing the 38 clubs that comprise the league. All right. So as you said, that was probably maybe the first initiative that you kicked off with. You already saw maturity in it, and you were continuing to experiment because as we we were discussing over some emails that we were sharing and I was getting information about everything else that y'all are doing, which is quite a few things. So you've got uh, a NFT-based, um, let's say, digital collectible collection. There is a video-based uh, digital collectible collection. There is a fantasy game that has come out. So can you give us an overview of all of these projects and maybe also speak to the success of them? Because I know that a lot of these were... Um, like every rights holder is interested in doing something. Like there's a digital collection, uh, it's like static uh, images, there's video-based, there's NFT-based. Why was it so important for you guys to go into all of these categories uh, at the same time? 
Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a very interesting question, Ron. Um, uh, you know, when when we went into and through the pandemic and you saw the explosion of everything related to crypto, blockchain, Web3, uh, whatever you want to name it, um, we saw a lot of opportunity, but also we saw a lot of potential risks. And, and as managers of the business, it's our, it's our job to actually be able to optimize revenue, but also to mitigate risk. So... Strategically, we decided that we wanted to have a multi-pronged strategy and to be able to to explore different areas across the Web3 space uh, in, in a different manner. So actually, our strategy uh, is comprised of multiple verticals. You have uh, what we call uh, detailed collectibles, which might be NFTs, but also the metaverse, which I ha- we have uh, made some inroads already into it, uh, developing a potential marketplace also in the future, or, or actually be able to do uh, community building. And one that, that is now in, in study is, you know, how we apply blockchain technology uh, in, the, in the back office, let's say, and the operations of, of the league and the clubs, right? So if we go specifically into the digital collectibles vertical, uh, the only way we found logically to operate in that space was doing as we've done commercially throughout the years, which was actually, you know, understanding what is our product, what we sell, and how we want our fans to interact with. So the the core of the yearly proposition is based on the IP of the league and the clubs that own the league and, and the rest of the club that participates in the league. And, and in doing that, we managed to, I would say, more successfully than not, uh, dissect the different uh, exclusive avenues in which we'll have different partners across different type of types of collections. As you mentioned, we have a partner that uh, it's exploiting the IP based on video highlights, which is which is Clancy technology. Uh, we have uh, also the 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 one partner that is actually uh, exploiting. Uh, Images, still images, which is uh, what we refer to as as, as the the fantasy gaming, and that's a, a, a different spin because it's using NFTs to actually be able to unlock fantasy gaming, which we think is a very interesting space. Uh, which that's a partnership that we're doing with Unagi and their Ultimate Champions uh, platform. Or there are uh, more, uh, I would say, streamlined categories like the objects category, and and there's a category around the trophies and rings that we're doing with VRM uh, rights as well, uh, and so on. So we, we have a few of those. And the, the goal was evidently to be able to maximize revenue, to mitigate risk, because it's a very nascent space. But most importantly, uh, and this was the, the logic behind this, I would say, innovative approach, was to be able to learn by doing and to be able to drive true innovation in in ways that are needed for us to actually be able to 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 arrive or achieve a next step so for our legal department for our finance department for our operations department for our brand marketing department the marketing partnerships department to be able to understand this new space in which we are playing with uh, and so far that's how we define success i mean evidently we have uh partners that, that pay their fees and we have partners that are creating the product and we are seeing a steady stream of those uh, projects uh, being rolled out. But we are not measuring only on commercial terms the success. We are measuring on the uh, ability to adopt and, and integrate innovation 
from that space into our own operation. I think that's a great point you raised, Ryder, and it's one that I talk about often, which is the idea that hey, this is a new space, so you have to experiment, but also, as you said, you have to mitigate risk. And one of the best ways of doing that is actually not putting all your eggs in one basket, working with multiple partners. Maybe some projects will do better than others because some relationships will be more successful than others. But exactly as you said, that is how you can mitigate risks. That is how you can ex- continue to experiment as different people will bring different ideas to the table. So I really, really appreciate that response. Is something that, as I said, we've been talking to other rights holders and other brands who are, everybody wants to jump on the NFT bandwagon, it seems, no? And and how do you get there? And I think your approaches will play out really well. So let me ask uh, a slightly different question. How did you select these partners? Because I'll be honest, I had not, I've, I've been looking at the space for a while, but I hadn't heard of VRM or Clancy or Unagi, uh, all three companies that you have worked with. But when I looked at them, they all seem super credible. They've done different things in the space uh, outside of the projects with you. So how did you find them and how did those relationships develop? How did you select your vendors, essentially? Well, that's uh, kind of part of the secret of the trade, right? <laughs> but um, but I think that that uh, most of those partners, they found us. I mean, uh, EuroLeague is a premium sports property, global sports property in basketball, which is... Uh, the fastest growing sport against, uh, I, I would put that against any other sport uh, on the planet, especially in terms of participation and especially in terms of uh, new, younger age groups. Uh, I, I, I would say the basketball is the place to be for any innovative uh, technology company, uh, big, small, traditional or not, fang or not. Um, but but the way we, the most important part is not only how we find, find them, but how we vet them. Uh, and this is a process which has a lot of, uh, I would say, common sense to it uh, in a very traditional, non-technological way, <laughs> I would say. Uh, as, as you probably know, uh, the, the Year League is a joint venture between IMG and, and Year League Properties, which is the entity that is owned by the, by the 13 top clubs that own the whole competition. And, and, and through that joint venture, we have uh, resources that allow us, uh, allow us to actually be able to, to do compliance, uh, background checks, and, and, and all types of, let's say, uh, you know, background and, 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 and assessment on potential partners. And, and we do that for any partner, not necessarily the ones within the tech space, right? Uh, so that that's one of the things that we do, and and to give us confidence on it, evidently there are certain covenants that that, that need to be agreed to, and evidently you know uh, the most important part is the safeguarding of our fan base and the safe uh, keeping of our IP. Once we cover that, we don't we don't definitely uh, tag partners as small, medium, or large. We tag them as partners. The average tenure of the partnership program in the EuroLeague is nine and a half years. So that, that goes to show that when we co- once we commit to partners, uh, we, we make them happy and we, and we you know, make them part of the family. And we actually are, are doing that so all the partners actually strive in their business. And, and then, you know, then there's a, a component of, of luck and, and normal corporate development that will happen, right? But uh, the way we, we do that is by analyzing specially 
what we can bring to them in terms of helping them develop their own products and what they can bring to us beyond fees and, and checks and uh, incremental revenue. As I said before, for us, it's as important uh, as the commercial side of it uh, is, is in, as important as the innovation part of it. So we are able to understand and discover this new space, what this technology can actually unfold. Uh, we are talking about iterations already when you're into this program of with some partners in terms of other side products that we might be uh, developing with their technology that benefits our, our ecosystem. So that's the type of partners that we want. We don't want uh, necessarily the big, shiny, big check-bearing partners because we know that you know offers and contracts are there to be fulfilled, but things can happen. And we've seen a lot of... of uh, of uh, disappointment across this industry and others. It's, it's nothing new or specific of, of the Web3 space, but you know, to, to any business, you can have certain shocks that uh, you know, derail business plans, and that, that can happen. But as long as it's a healthy partnership that uh, both can benefit and, and have an honest relationship, I think that those are the partners that we want to work with. Uh, we definitely hope that after the winter uh, or the spring or the summer of, of Web3 or whatever we are right now, those are the partners that will be uh, in the long run. And especially, uh, we want them to succeed because we know those are the partners that are committing enormous uh, effort and resources in actually making this right, uh, which is basically the, the main thing that we're looking for a partner right now. A good common sense approach to selecting partners. Who would have thought? It's such an incredibly unique idea, right? <laughs> but I, I think one of the main reasons I asked that question is, as you rightly just said at the end, we keep seeing these deals and not just chasing figures. A classic example is the consensus deal with the Premier League, which was signed for, I think, I think like $460 million over a four or five year period. So it was a super, super premium deal. And the Premier League selected them out of a very extensive bidding process, it would seem, where all the bigger names, Dapper Labs, Sora, everybody else also came in. And this company won that deal. And I think it was last week, or earlier this week, uh, maybe, that the news broke that this deal is not going to go through. Consensus wanted to renegotiate in the face of the quote-unquote crypto winter. And yeah, the deal has not gone ahead. Sora has come in and saved the Premier League's uh, NFT project in a way and at a fraction of the price. I believe they will be paying $30 million a year. Um, so it's, it's a fast-moving space. So I think this is an important factor. Stay up to date with all things sports tech and sign up for our newsletter. You'll get a monthly breakdown of the most important developments in the global sports tech ecosystem, paired with exclusive interviews with industry leaders. Get all of this and more delivered directly to your inbox. Sign up today at sportstechx.com. What you said, Ryder, is so right. Business as usual about how you select vendors. Don't. It's not just about tech. It has to be a good business behind it but also good common sense thinking and building long-term relationships. And also, you said you go through an extensive process of selecting your partners. Are you still open to working with startups? Do they come in through the innovation challenge? How do new companies reach out to you? I'm sure you get a ton of inbound questions and queries about, hey, we can partner with you, we can offer you this and that. 
But how do you continue to explore new projects as you develop these long-term relationships? Yeah, actually, that's, that's a good question, Ron. And, and it ties to your comment earlier uh, about the consensus pri- Premier League uh, relationship, right? Um, the way we envision innovi- innovation, and this is a very personal take, um, uh, there are two ways in which you can do that. Uh, either you go for the Chinese, uh, you know, transformative uh, pr- process, or you do innovation on a very organic, slow but steady pace. Right? Um, we definitely uh, are a property that we can accommodate from you know a big fang as a partner to a small startup as, as well, uh, as long as both have a clear. Uh, I would say value proposition to the year league ecosystem. That's that's you know pure common sense there. So we are, is there something that we can build that can benefit not only the company but actually our own ecosystem? So that that's the first question that needs to be answered. So that's how we actually approach the relationship with with startups and 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 you know there are startups that are very well funded, uh, very well led. And they are startups, but but you know it's not a matter of financials or or, or certain background checks not adding up. It's a matter of what this company can bring to us. Uh, the same way we have a, a, a more traditional commercial partnership with Turkish Airlines, for example, in which you know uh, they they bring uh, a lot to us more than uh, marketing uh, dollars, right? So what were we looking for when we analyze the? the the things that we're doing here as a company and the things that our clubs are doing as sports companies as well, uh, because that's a very important uh, thing here. We are not working just for ourselves at the league level. We are working also for the clubs that compete in it. Some of those clubs are our shareholders and actually uh, we owe uh, any, any, let's say, strategic and an operational decision to, to, to their sake. So, we, we look at, uh, at solutions uh, to everyday problems, uh, either from our fans or either from our business partners or either from also from uh, from our own operations, right? And that's that's what we look for. Now, uh, the way we will approach the relationship with, with, uh, with startups or, or tech companies in general, I would say, we will uh, most likely uh, turbocharge uh, what once was the XP and, and we are... Uh, Think, we think that we are now in a moment in which we can uh, be more proactive and uh, if, if you mind I can use the word aggressive in terms of how we approach technology uh, we are looking at it from an entrepreneurial perspective as well from the league so it's a mat- it's, it's something that that will take us inevitably to take uh, or to put on a hand that is more venture capitalist uh, on uh, we are also uh, setting up uh, certain vehicles that will allow us to do that. So, you know, now it's an interesting time, as I said earlier, for basketball globally, but especially for basketball in Europe. And, you know, there's no better uh, gateway to that space than the Euro League. And, and that's the type of company that we're looking for. The companies that have not only the financial solvency, but they have the intellectual and leadership solvency that will allow us to co-create together. That that. If, if I can, you know, put it on a headline, that, that will be it. Go create together and make sure you have the staying power to do it. I think some really good takeaways from that approach, uh, Ryder. And also, 
one quick point on you talked about maybe taking on a role as an investor with private capital. We've seen other leagues do this. The NBA recently made an announcement. We covered this news that they wanted to be more proactive, aggressive, use some of your language in taking equity positions in companies. Maybe this will be a trend that will continue in the future as well. So let's bring an end to the uh, to the Web3 conversation, at least for now. Um, you spoke a lot about the fan technology that you're working with, the NFT, uh, the collectibles, the image collectibles, the video collectibles, fantasy project. But I also really like that you mentioned briefly that you're also exploring uh, blockchain technology, which will help you with operations, which will help you with back office things, uh, back office uh, efficiency enhancements, let's say. Is that an area of focus going forward or is it mainly... Yeah, at least for now, let's focus on the fans, let's focus on revenue opportunities rather than operational efficiency. Uh, it's all, all of the above, Ron. <laughs> of um, course, you have to experiment I, something in that we figure out. Right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So uh, one thing that we was very clear, and, and this is a very personal belief, but I think as a company, we, we also realized that uh, quite a while ago, is that digital transformation is a never-ending process. And, and sounds scary, uh, because if you remember, not too, too long ago, like five years ago, we, we talked about digital transformation that went from A to Z, put a bow on it, announced whatever you built, and that was it. You know, with, with technology, you have that, that thing that gets outdated very fast. And especially when you see social uh, evolution going as fast as it is going in the last three years. So consumer behavior, uh, fan behavior and perspective and expectations towards the property that they support, uh, it's, it's, it's actually very, very uh, volatile and in constant flux. So you, you cannot have uh, an end to transformation. You, you are always transforming. And, and the way we do that in terms of technology is actually be able to explore these new spaces. Now it's about blockchain. That's, that's the talk of the town. We don't know what it will be in 10 years but what we need to make sure is that we have the bandwidth and the space created now for what we need to be doing in the next 10 years so when we look at the specifics of how we see blockchain or web3 technology applying to our, our back office evidently we're talking about ticketing but we are talking about you know uh, player contract uh, repositories we're talking about the way uh, you know, we need to apply cybersecurity uh, or security in general for physical and uh, venues. Uh, we are talking about also how we integrate, you know, uh, uh, contactless experiences, but not on the traditional sense of having a few TPVs around the, the arena, but actually be able to enable uh, a, a trust uh, worthy and secure. A wallet system that allows the fans to be able to consume within the environment of the EuroLeague. Uh, those are the things that we are looking at and, and in which we know that blockchain technology has uh, a smaller or, or bigger role in different aspects of it. And that's that's actually where we are going to focus our, our strength and energy with with some major partners in, in the next few months. That's uh, where we see the, the real transformation happening. Looking forward to seeing these new initiatives, which brings me perfectly to my next question. Maybe, I mean, you mentioned some of them briefly, but I guess what the question is, what can we expect in the next, say, six to 
12 month uh, timeline that we can come out, see coming out from the Euro League. We also already mentioned some of the NFT related drops that you have. Um, you mentioned some potential areas of uh, back office or operational uh, projects. Uh, are these already in the pipeline? Anything that we can yeah, see the results of or start interacting with in the near future? Yeah, I, I would say that within the next six months, six to 12 months, we'll see the consolidation of uh, of the Web3 projects that are related to digital collectibles. Uh, that uh, in itself will unlock uh, one of those other verticals because if, if we're successful in deploying the different collections and different, different let's say, access points or products, uh, we've, I would say, gladly and forcefully will we'll need to uh, develop uh, some sort of marketplace that enables fans to be able to find in a in a very secure and trustworthy manner that type of content that is validated that it's uh, you know they have the the quality stamp of the yearly uh, so that's kind of an, a, an adjacent step uh, to what we're seeing after that consolidation and then in terms of back office operations uh, yeah we're starting now to have those. Uh, I would say uh, brainstorms and creative uh, sessions with different technological partners that would allow us to understand how we can integrate technology uh, within within our ecosystem. And, and yeah, we are now there in the market and speaking with different partners, very big technology companies, medium size and, and very specific ones that will allow us to to deploy different components and and. Uh, you know, uh, it's it's a business as well, so so we need to to very much weight the 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 balance in terms of uh, you know the investment and the effort that we're putting in terms of the potential uh, commercialization and upside in terms of business plans as well. So so we are working on that now, and and I believe that in the next year we we are going to be in a position to be able to to explain in very much more detail those, uh, let's say, back office or business-related decisions that we might be taking in the tech space. Right, I I said this before, but I I have to reiterate, it sounds such a logical, common-sense-based approach to to every project or everything that you guys are uh, working on there. It's very analytical, not getting caught up in the fads. You mentioned the Web3 is the uh, topic of the moment, but maybe it's good might be something else in the future. So how do we stay open to it? And the what I'm hearing again and again is that we will stay focused on the fundamentals, see what projects really make sense and execute on those, which sounds like there'll be some good ones coming up. So I look forward to hearing them. It's such a refreshing thing to hear almost. It's weird to say, but there's, there's the pithy saying that common sense is the most uncommon thing. Um, so when you speak, speak with the rights holder that is using this approach, it is uh, very reassuring in the middle of all this hype and buzz. Um, so gr- great to hear uh, what the Euro League is doing and will continue to do, it seems. Right, I always end my uh, podcast episode. It's been a fantastic conversation, I have to say. Really, uh, um, not I wouldn't say eye-opening because from the outside you can see the EuroLeague is always doing interesting things with the Innovation Challenge. I mentioned the VR partnership. I've seen some of the other drops, but what's been refreshing is hearing your approach, which I'm sure uh, a lot of our listeners will appreciate. So thank you for that insight. 
Um, my last question, the one I always like to sign off with, is I always say we are sports fans first, everybody, well, most of us who are working in the industry. Um, so I would like to know what has been your favorite sporting moment, either one that you've interacted with in, as a fan or as an athlete yourself in your playing days or that you continue to have. I'm curious to hear. Well, um, I, I have many of those, but I would say that uh, I, I have I have I have two. One one is as a fan, and another one as a consumer. Uh, I'm in at the end. I'm a business guy, so I, I I I also and from a very early age, even though I didn't know it then, I was very much receptive to advertising, sponsorship, and so on. So the 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 one as a interesting. Cons- I like the. I'll- I like the distinction. Go ahead. Yeah, the the one as a consumer, uh, and and this my my closest friends know, and and they say, oh here here goes again. Uh, it's uh, with the sponsor of the '94 World Cup on the U.S. I'm, I'm from the Dominican Republic, so we are not a big uh, football country. Uh, now it's growing, but we're not a big football country. But we are a big uh, you know content consuming country, especially content from the U.S. And I remember that one of the sponsors of the event was Pizza Hut. And they had a, a global campaign with Pele, in which you know by by spending your money with them, the, you can uh, win a, a signed Pele ball. So for me, that stuck, and and I was very very young. Uh, I think it was around eleven years old by the time. And actually, you know, I I really liked that, and and it resonated since then, and especially in the work that I've done in sponsorships, partnerships, and 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 brand marketing. Uh, together since uh, since then i've been i've been also together tied to that to that memory right and then the other one as a fan also back to the dominican uh i was at the stadium in the, in santo domingo Quisqueya stadium the baseball stadium we are a baseball country and and we have a winter baseball league that actually is, is running now and we are uh we are in 1999 the 1998-99 season and my team, Tigres del Licey, won in a fantastic fashion. Uh, that that year was a, a, a very a very remarkable year because we had a very huge hurricane that damaged most of the uh, infrastructure of the country, including stadiums of some clubs. So the the season has had to be reshuffled because only four clubs could participate. That meant that the series was longer and was a nine game final series. And actually, we went to a nine game and won in spectacular fashion. And that's one of the fondest memories that I have because I have never since felt the uh, exhilarating joy of, of winning, you know, uh, last minute uh, a championship of, you know, a, a team that you really love. And, and that's my team. Uh, so, so those are my two memories. And those are the ones that we always love, right? When our favorite teams win in those dramatic last final moments. It's not the... 5-0, 10-0, like those landslide victories that we as fans cherish the most. It's the last minute ones. So uh, I, have, I have to ask, I've never, I, I'll be honest, I haven't interacted too much with the, uh, with the baseball league in your country. I know it's super famous there. So if I want to watch the final or if I want to find this highlight clip, what do I look for? Tigres was the team you said? Tigres de Lisey, 1999. Tigres de Lisey, they, 1999. They had a they had a nickname uh, that translated to the small team, uh, El Equipito, because <laughs> they were all small okay. young players, uh, but very f- uh, feisty, I would say. And they they you know it was a revolution. And and you know for a country that was uh, you know getting back together, even though we have those one of those hurricanes every now and then, uh, but it was a, a very a very tense 
you know, it's a temple moment in, in any in any fan uh, memory around that. Fantastic to hear. I will go and check out those highlights of El Equipito. El, sorry, I know I said that wrong, but Tigres we will, in 1999. I will look for it. Uh, Ryder, uh, not only have you been a, a fantastic guest, really pleasure to have you on the show, but you've also made me hungry for pizza for some reason. I don't know why. It's a bit early in the day, but uh, maybe I will go find find some lunch. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, yeah, look forward to all the cool stuff that Yoroli gets up to. Thank you, Ron. Uh, thanks for having us and uh, keep up the keep up the good work. Thank you. All right, guys, that is another episode done. Um, I know we had said that we would do it. Uh, Web3 in Sports Month was October, but like I said at the top, there's so much great content and we keep finding uh, people or topics to cover. So I think we will continue doing it till uh, maybe till the end of the year. Maybe we'll continue it next year. Let's see. But uh, yeah, look forward to more Web3 and sports content. We haven't forgotten our core sports tech topics. So as and well, we'll do a mix of everything. So stay tuned to our channels as always. Speak to you guys soon. Thanks for listening to the Sports Tech All-Stars podcast with Roan Maholtra. If you like our show, let us know and leave a review. And if you want to know more about us, check out sportstechx.com where you can find our latest industry reports and updates. For a deeper dive into all things sports tech, check out our comprehensive database, SportsTechDB, at sportstechdb.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us at SportsTechX on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Join us next time for another insightful conversation with a leader in sports tech.